So, Ms. Cindy Vance, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so, you operate uh, the Montessori School of West Monroe, is that correct? That is absolutely correct, and thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being I'm here. I'm honored. I'm honored. Well, we're thankful for you giving up your time to come uh, um, travel down this road with us. Sure. So, I'm going to start off with confession. Oh, this is getting interesting. Okay, I'm ready. So, when... Um, like many parents, Carla and I, when we uh, um, had our two girls and we're thinking about education and um, what to do as far as, you know, preschool and what type of programs, we're like, we're going to go all in. We're going to go and interview a bunch of different places. So first thing Carla did, she gets on social media, who likes what? So right. we got this list and I'm not going to call any names because we've got a lot of great organizations that are Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. When she um, when she mentioned uh, your school on it, I'm like, well, what is that? I mean, I've heard all these other names, and we got appointments. So what is that? I don't know if it was me not hearing what she was telling me. I'm like, I don't think that's something that's going to work for us. <laughs> that just doesn't. doesn't you had sound, never heard. Never, heard, had never of, heard of anything that come close to that. So we're going around, and there was a. Uh, one that was probably uh, at the top of the list. And we're going through there, and, you know, they're doing a great job taking us on a tour. Probably the third or fourth one we went to, and we stopped there looking, and Carl's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, man, I don't know. It's kind of like all running together, and, I mean, there's nobody beating kids, and, you know, they all look like they're fed and having an okay <laughs> time. Nobody's screaming their right. head off. And then we show up at your place. How'd she talk you into it? If you well, I would agree to go. I'm okay. open-minded enough okay. to kind of see, you know, what things are right about. Um, you know what they say: Mom's not happy, nobody's happy. Absolutely. So we we show up at your place, and uh, for those of you, and I'm sure you're still set up the same way. You have the two different cottages, right? That's right. I'm a, I'm assuming we started off at the uh, the small cottage first. You did. I, I forget yeah. the names cottage of cottage and main house. Yeah, so cottage and main house. So we show up there at the um, the cottage, and um, your presence when you met us was so disarming and so welcoming. Aww. It caught me off guard. So oh, you kind of put me on my heel and got there like, because <laughs> everybody else is just like so formal. It's like we do this, and this is the education we do. That We do this on Tuesday. We do this on Wednesday. Sure. Everything was very regimented. And you disarmed so much when you come in. It was just like, hey, you guys come on in and take a look. And while you were talking to us, you were still talking to some of the kids that were around and called everyone by name. And and then you start explaining kind of how things work here. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And then 15 children doing 15 things. Doing 15 things. And um, I don't think you went very in-depth into um, the curriculum and, and how all that works. But when you walked us through and explained how just on top surface level, how the kids work and operate, when we left, I was sold. I'm like, no, we, I did my job. Right? You did, <laughs> but you didn't have to sell it. You just kind of explained it. That's what I would say. It sells itself. It it does. And but what really caught me off guard is how our kids started to learn. Now, I know every parent probably thinks, oh, my kid's a smart kid. They're going to pick up on this stuff and they're the smartest kid that's out there. But when the kids were coming home and the things that they were talking about, I'm like, where'd you hear that at? Well, that's cool. Sure. And that the 
it just, it really took me by surprise. And I try to live my life with very few regrets, but there are some regrets I have. More so Grayson than Perry, but I'll agree with Perry herself that I wish they'd had an extra year with you. Oh. Um, it was more noticeable when Grayson went into school. Part of it could have been she was a little bit more mature on how her birthday fell mm-hmm. with the kids in her class, but that first year with Grayson being in pre-K four, she was bored. I mean, she she's had, a bright girl. She had learned <laughs> all of girl. that stuff, and she sure. was she was bored. And sure. I don't think, and I'm not trying to take anything away from her teacher at the time. The teacher's having to manage a class full of twenty other kids. And she may not have caught on early enough on, you know, that Grayson was really bored. I mean, mm-hmm. she was coming on some conduct marks and things, and it was because she was bored. I wish sure. we would have taken that next step and kept her sure. an extra year. So tell so, me a little bit about. Yeah, well, uh, maybe we have a fix for that now. So wouldn't it be beautiful if all of our traditional schools would adopt some Montessori philosophy, you know? Wouldn't it be great if you went to 12th grade with your wouldn't school? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I tell Carla that all the time. If we could just convince Cindy there you go, right? to go through through 12th I think grade. They're, honestly, Brian, I think they are smarter than me when they leave. So we have to stop, you know, kindergarten as far as Miss Cindy can go. Um, so a couple things. Um, one, I would say, is we have added just this year a formal kindergarten program. So we, used, we are a Montessori pre-primary program, which um, encompasses ages two and a half through six so okay. the, it's a multi-age classroom so, and we, so you're, you're telling me i just missed out is that what you're telling me well no, barely you she could have stayed through kindergarten <laughs> now um so we are a little different than other montessori schools in that we do have our classes divided um between two houses so we have two little houses and we have the cottage, which is where the girls started off. And all of our beginning students start there. Most of them are two and a half, three-ish right. when they start with us. And um, then once they've completed a full year there, uh, typically a full year, occasionally we'll move over earlier. But um, then we'll move over to what we call the main house. And the main house, in the cottage, it's really kind of our little training ground. Okay. We focus on four areas. Over there. We work on... Excuse me concentration we're learning to sit and attend to our work a little bit longer how do you how do you get a three-year-old to concentrate well i don't the materials (laughs) do the work for me you know it's all about the environment and it's all about freedom of choice and freedom of movement so at that age obviously children are not ready to sit and um they would like to move and so they have freedom to move about the entire house is open to them so all of the curriculum areas covered in different rooms so we have areas that have language and areas that have math and we have an entire sensorial area we have um, art and music and science and cultural studies and our job as teachers is really to make the environment appealing so we really want our cultural studies work to be as appealing as the artwork or our science work or math work to be equally as appealing. So the idea is that when a child is going through a sensitive period for language acquisition or a sensitive period for anything, if you have the environment properly prepared, 
then they're going to just be intrinsically drawn to that material. And Montessori was such a genius that she developed the just the right materials. And so we supplement a lot of her original materials with things that are, um, you know, beautiful and lasting and appealing to children. So, um, so the cottage is the place where um, they are building their concentration and they're sitting a little bit longer each time they use the work. They are working on their coordination, those fine motor skills. Um, they are um, mastering and honing that pincer grip. So they are doing a lot of preparation for writing. It's a lot of preparation work over there. And then they're just becoming independent. For most all of our students, it's their very first time away from home. Sure. And it's their very first time in a formal setting like that. And I say I'll use the, the term formal lightly because we are – um, we are very much um, very uh, laid back around there, just like you said, when you're in welcoming. We, we think of it as family. We are all, when we call, we refer to one another as friends. And so from day one. So when the kids would um, come in, take their backpacks off and put on slippers. Right. That right. is just an indication that when, when you say it's a relaxed environment, it truly Absolutely. is. And I never really understood when you can give a kid just free choice, mm-hmm. free run of the house. And mm-hmm. it's not, I've never been in, I'm sure there's days where chaos can ensue, but I've never been where there's chaos. Not a whole uh, lot of chaos. <laughs> there's there, not a but, lot of chaos. But you have kids that can go around and choose what they want to do, but yet it seems like the learning, and I don't know how much direction or redirecting you guys are giving them on, well, you know, we've been over here for two hours in this one sure. area, uh, but the kids seem to play for a little while in this area, have to keep everything on their mat. That's right. And uh, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, would have to put something on their mat if they wanted to work alone versus Yeah, not. you remember a lot. I That's do. right. Well, I'm... it was very impactful. Our kids at that point, I don't know if it's the age, they would come home and tell us things to where nowadays they won't give us anything. How was your day at school? Yeah. Yes. mm, It was okay. It was another day. Another day. Yeah. So, yes. So, um, at the cottage, really, it all begins at the beginning. We have an orientation period when you first start. And so, Maria Montessori referred to those about first six weeks of school as the normalization period. And so, everybody's learning just all those kind of ground rules. I need a mat to contain my work. The purpose of those work mats is very simple. It's to contain your work so that we don't have chaos. So, no one is stepping on your work and you learn immediately to respect someone else's work. You're also referring to our little red independent square, Mm -hmm. which are, those are comical sometimes. So we have a little red square and they can choose that if you, the purpose of the mat so that you can work on the floor. So we have tables where you can work independently and then tables where you can work with a partner, tables where you can work with a teacher, uh, or you can work on the floor. And that's, again, that's why we're in slippers for comfort because we're up Mm -hmm. and down off the floor all day and for noise control on our hardwood floors. But, um... So, yes, so we have a little square, a little red square um, that is located near those mats. And if you want to work all alone and you want want your work interrupted, you don't even need to ask someone who has chosen to put that red square on their mat or their table. It's the independent square. That means I want to do it all alone. Let me do it all on my own. And so they can work as long as they want, Brian. You can move about. You will see some children who... Um, maybe are really sensitive to a particular area and they may want to stay in that area 
several days in a row. But they may find a friend who's working in the other room and they'll, you know, move on over to something else and change, you know, change up. But they are allowed to work at something as long for as long as they would like, as long as it's productive work. And there we, you know, there's value to that. Absolutely. So do you see the kids that will spend extended period of times in one area finally get to a point where like, okay, I've done enough here and I'm going to move on to something else. So the child would make that decision. I wouldn't really make that decision for them, but I've definitely seen it. If I see a child that I know has accomplished a work and is ready for a more advanced material, Mm -hmm. everything in the school is ordered from left to right, top to bottom in a sequence of sophistication. So if I've seen, there's so much order to everything, you know, and there's so much science behind it all from Montessori. But so if the child is choosing consistently the same work i'm going to know first of all there's a reason for it they need to satisfy something with Mm -hmm. that work and so if i've seen it a lot i probably give them an opportunity to do that for a while and then if it's time to move forward in the sequence of sophistication we'll just move and maybe i will get that work that next workout and do it in front of them so they see it maybe i invite one of their close friends to try it with me and then maybe I invite them to come do it with us and so and then after that they're probably going to move on to that work but maybe not maybe there was something that wasn't satisfied in that previous work and I may or may not ever know what that was but developmentally you know they're doing it for a reason so it's just um amazes me on how uh the kids can just if you provide the right environment for a kid to be able to learn that just how much they can actually pick up on their own. So and that's probably no limits. the yeah. that's probably the biggest my biggest takeaway is that um, I know there's science behind it, but things have been positioned in a way to where it's child friendly, it's child inviting, mm-hmm. um, and it in I guess it inspires the kids to want to do more because it's fun. And it's, it's a non-competitive environment. If you're competing with anything, it's just yourself. So you have free, if you've given this child this freedom to move about and you've prepared the environment so that everything in the environment has meaning right. and quality. So there's, you know, there's just not any fluff in there. Well, give us some examples of meaning and quality of that, you know, for the lower kids, what what would something like that look like? Oh, some maybe some of the favorite works I would tell you. We have um we have a set of stack oh, this is just a work that always stands out to me from cottage. We have a set of stacking wooden dolls, the little Russian stacking dolls. Okay. Those dolls have been stacked and unstacked and restacked more times and taken home and wood glued over and over. And it's this particular set. We've tried others, but it's a particular set that they are just particularly fond of. It's a visual discrimination work and it's self-correcting. Montessori is self-correcting. So which is one of the most attractive parts of Montessori to me. No, I'm never going to re- bleed red on your papers. Right. You're going to figure out in a concrete way from the work that you're using, whether you've done that work correctly or not. There's a control to everything in the house. So obviously with the little stacking dolls, you have a piece left at the end and she's closed up. Something went wrong along the way. But those dolls are used over and over and over. And then someone um, somewhere along the way um, wrote a book 
that corresponds to this particular set of stacking dolls. So it tells the story of how the, you know, they each have a given, been given a name and where they came from and how they came to be in your classroom. Some clever Montessori teacher somewhere did that. And so now we have to buy the same set over. And so we would glue them and we would glue them. And then we say, okay, it's time for a new set. That's a particular, that's just a little visual discrimination work that's super appealing. It's beautiful. It's multicultural. It's something a child may not see every day. It's probably not something they have in their house, but it's very interesting and it's intricate for those little fine motor skills and those fingers. Um, And there's, there are many things like that in the classroom, but, you know, but we try to buy, we try to try to stay very true to the materials that Montessori developed herself, um, which is a lot of sensorial work in that younger house. Um, A lot of sensorial work in the main house. We're still doing all those same works. We're just able to do extensions and the part maybe your girls missed out on (laughs) farther and farther along. Um, We just get a little more sophisticated with the extensions that go to those works. And we're able to introduce some of the more difficult works, but also then in the main house, those works start to become abstract. So maybe you've sat on the floor and you've worked with um, fraction tiles and you've built fractions and you've built all kinds of, you you don't even know that fractions are supposed to be a negative thing, right? You just think it's super fun. It's a puzzle. I'm doing right. all this work. It's going to be self-correcting. So you're going to figure out whether you put the fractions back together correctly or not. And then when you're done, you know, the role of the main house ladies would be to look and determine, okay, he's ready to see that on paper. So we would, you know, show the student what that looks like, how to write that fraction on paper so it translates over. And so math's one of the most beautiful things you can do that with. So it's so concrete. So you're saying that in kindergarten-aged kids, they're doing fractions? So my kindergarten group this year, I took eight students. We call them the grade eight. It's our first little crew. They are um, they are all reading. They are all wow. adding into the hundreds of thousands. They are regrouping concretely. They can regroup with everything. They're definitely doing fractions. Um, I just left them today, and we were we've covered um, six of the seven continents so far this year, and so we they love that. That's a cultural work. It's a big fun part of the day for us. And Montessori was really great uh, in developing that area of the classroom. That's kind of absent in a lot of traditional classrooms. So we've covered six of the seven continents thus far, and they um, can identify the major wildlife from each of the continents, and they can um, identify lots of flags from each of the continents. And then we do special places. That's their favorite day when we do special uh, wonders from that continent. So just, um, yeah. So the the beauty of Montessori is that the sky's the limit. So you may have a three-year-old putting together words and reading words. Uh, you could have a three-year-old sitting beside a five-year-old who was not quite ready for that yet developmentally. You just, you know, everybody has their moment. So right. the three, you're not going to wait. The three-year-old's not going to wait till everybody in the room is ready to do that. When, when they are ready to build a word, they're going to build a word and read a word. And then the, the five-year-old may be behind them in that. And that's okay. They may be ahead in another area of the classroom. Sure. So. You know, one of the things that I read, and you touched on it a little bit, how, um, uh, the Montessori program, uh, I think, was originally designed to group a lot of different age groups together. Right. And I'd have to assume that part of the reason you don't is maybe due to space. And Absolutely. it's it's easier to 
because you have two smaller places to be able to right. separate some. Right. But how do you know when um, they're ready to go from the cottage to the main house? Because I don't think you gauge it just on age, do you? No. So, yes, but to, to touch on what you were saying, we opened the main house in 2000. This is our 23rd year. Wow. There. I did not know it was 23 years. I know. I know. And I, I have people call every year who say, I did not even know we had Montessori here. That's one of the reasons so, I wanted to do this is that I think you are a gem in our area. Well, thank you. And I don't think if everybody says, hey, we're going to start sending our kids there, you would not have enough room to right. do it. But you are just a just a, a hidden gem in our area, and I know it's not just you alone that's doing it. Oh, Every sure. great organization needs a great leader, but the ladies that you have oh, my goodness. pouring into the kids is the just, yeah, it's, it's great. And always willing to take the time and talk to a parent on, mm. um, you know, different steps the kids having to take. If, sure. Uh, uh, it's just, I mean, kind of feels like an extension of your family when your kid that's is going say. there. We call it our Montessori family, and we love to keep up with our alumni. We've never had Road. any one of our kids ever not want to go to school oh, awesome. when, when they were going there because yeah. you guys made learning fun. It wasn't like a field day every time you went over there, but everything was engaging. Everything was, um, I noticed it more with Grace and she had a sense of accomplishment when she came home. Yeah. Obviously they're tired or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. They've worked hard, but it was that sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And Perry, um, I truly believe that her reading skills and Grayson as well comes directly from what you guys poured into her on early age. Well, we are a big believer in phonics. So yeah. everything, you know, we do a lot of phonics work for sure. Um, so back to that, I was going to say we did, we opened in 2000, just the main house. And we opened then. And in just a few years, um, probably by the time that are kind of we're on a three-year cycle you know if you do the full program you're with us three years so by the time that finished um, we realized we could not add enrollment we were re-enrolling with siblings and siblings were were picking up most of our availability so we I just literally went to every joining I needed a good realtor Brian back <laughs> in the day um, went to every adjoining property and um, found a neighbor who said, oh, wow, yeah, we're actually thinking about selling. So um, we bought uh, the cottage then. Mm -hmm. And so we decided then uh, to just to divide in the way that we did so that we just think that it's there's so much importance to that first year. Sure. And so that's really kind of, like I said, our little training ground for the main house. Because we, by the time you've transitioned over to main house, um, I don't expect to remind you to push your chair under a table. I don't expect to remind you to put your dishes in the sink and take care of your snack. Or I don't expect to remind you to wash your hands after you've done, you know, those are just, that's been instilled in that first year. So that's the hard work. Those ladies over there have so much hard work to get all of that, you know, yeah. so many reminders. And then so by the time they come to Main House, they're ready to rock and roll academically. I mean, they're just, they're so independent. They're ready to do all the things. So, so when when we transition from cottage, we're looking at, we are looking at their age, but we're looking at their peer group. You don't want to separate one from their peer right. group. And maybe they're rolling with the a kid 
18 months older than them. That's okay. Um, but we're also looking at, you know, just their academics and where they are. How many of those sounds do you have under your belt? Are you ready to build words? Are you ready to do all those things? So kind of just looking at the whole picture maturity um, and it's their socialization or how are they right. interacting? Are we still parallel playing? Are we engaged and interacting together? So kind of looking at the whole picture to know they're ready to move over and so what would you want a parent to know? <clears throat> so if you could have got a hold to me before I started making the tours and, sure. and looking at all the schools, what do you think it's important for parents to know about early education? Oh, wow. So I think it's more important than ever. I think early education is more important than ever. And it's just so expected now, I think, that you would enter school prepared right. for tr whether you're going traditional or you're going, uh, you know, some alternative route. Um, I would tell parents at home that are feeding into our program now, don't overdo it on the toys. Don't, you know, less is more and quality. And so, um, you know, we try to stay away from anything that's battery operated and flashing lights and noisemakers and all that. Let the beauty of a natural material speak for itself and let the child do the discovery. Don't have everything done for you. But I, I would say probably the major thing I would say is um, put the screens away. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, you we can see it. You can see a child who's had a tablet or a screen in front of them. Um, even in the car, on the rides, in the interactions with parents. So we see a lot more today, unfortunately, language delays. And we see a lot of children who need some speech and language intervention. We see a lot of children who need some OT intervention because they haven't been exploring with all those tools yeah. at home that maybe children used to. And so we see a good bit of that. For the older kids and young adults going out and getting jobs, I hear business owners tell me all the time that, we connected really well via text, but when right. we got face-to-face, -face, I could not get any eye contact. Uh, yeah. Um, they wouldn't talk much to me, couldn't That's get right. much out of them. That's right. Um, so. I, yeah, that didn't start yeah, at 18. Right. It it happened over a long period of time. Right. I, I've understood early on with my kids, giving them a screen, it's like a zombie. I mean, they, they just, they're so glued to it until mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. time is up, so. We, we've strictly limited the amount of time each day they can have. Mm -hmm. And we have to have it to where that they can't have a device unless it's going to auto shut off at the time that we say shut off. Or, I mean, you start getting attitude from kids like it's time <laughs> to go up. Yeah. So we learn early on. It's well, uh, that instant a gratification. Mm -hmm. And so it requires really nothing but passivity from you. Right. Just you're sitting and watching. And so... You can't possibly think that's going to be the most beneficial thing for your child. And it's, it's difficult to limit. I mean, there are times everybody loves. I mean, I love a, a good Netflix show. Right. But, you know, Sit around all day long yeah. watching right. it. That's right. You're not going to be productive. That's right. So as, you know, education within our community, within our country is, um, I feel, and this is Brian's opinion, not yours, sure. that um, our education has been diluted over time. Uh, talking with teachers that are in high school and in the middle school, talking about how the kids, uh, their their reading level is so stunted and delayed, it's almost embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen overnight. It's happened over 
a period of time. And I'm not putting all the fault on the teachers. Parental involvement has to be there. You can't you can't in, uh, expect a teacher for their limited time every day on a subject to make sure that kid is doing what they should be with reading. So it's a it's a combined effort. But I feel that our focus is just not centered where it needs to be. I think that they're trying to get too, I don't know if they're trying to get too technical in certain areas. And I look at what you guys have developed or implementing here. It's almost like it's getting back to the basics. Let's don't Absolutely. force something. Let's it's natural. Let's be natural sure. about it. So what you kind do. of advice would you give to a parent that has older kids that kind of feel like things are stunted, but we want to get them re-engaged? What kind of advice would you give a parent? Sure. So, um, you know, I have three myself, and so I have two in college and one starting high school next year. And um, you know, they are all products of Montessori. And um, I would, you know, it's difficult if you miss the window. You know, it's just, it's difficult if you miss, you were talking about uh, reading. And since COVID, I mean, we, can't we blame everything on COVID now? Since COVID, I would say, you know, kids were home and at a dis, many of them at a disadvantage. Sure. And so uh, for a lot of them, I think we're going to have a national crisis real soon if it's not already making itself um, known. I think we have a lot of students who met that phonics that we talked about. Right. It, there's just, you know, without that foundation, you're not going to read. And so there's just kind of a window for that acquisition. And if you miss that, I think you're just going to have to go back to the absolute basics. And what do you think that window is? Well, for What's us. That crucial time? So for reading, I think that phonics, I think every child has a different sensitive period. But for us, uh, they're all going to hit that window with us at some point. Like I said, some may hit it at two and a half and be ready to rock right. and roll. And that some may be in that kindergarten year. And not, I'm not talking about fluid reading. I'm sure. talking about language acquisition and I'm talking about phonics acquisition. You've got to know those sounds to see the big picture. So uh, parents need to be, and I hope they are, reading daily. They need to see their parents reading. They right. need to make visits to the library, to the bookstore, wherever they need to see the value that, you know, this is this is valued in my household and this is expected in my household as well. Um, for that, you know, but Maria Montessori, she started the very first children's house in uh, – the slums of San Lorenzo, uh, Italy. And she did that for low-income latchkey children who were being left in the same scenario that so many American children are today. They're at home with no guidance and no supervision. Right. And so uh, she began her work with them. She chose ladies to help her who were literally maids in the complex where she started it in these ghettos. She did not want formally trained teachers. She wanted somebody who came with a fresh perspective and wasn't, you know, the tradition was not ingrained in them already. And so she began her work with them, literally helping these children learn to prepare meals for themselves, prepare snacks for themselves, tons of puzzles, which we're huge proponents of puzzles, obviously great visual discrimination. If you can't tell which way to turn a jigsaw puzzle piece, you're probably not going to know if it's a P or a Q right. when you're a B or a D. 
Um, so that's actually how Montessori began. And I would have never picked up on that. I mean, just the, the simple way that you just explained how the puzzle pieces are going to help you in these other areas. Yeah, it's... yeah. Think about that. And so if you don't know the orientation, I need to rotate this, I need to flip this. That's all you know, preliminary work to reading. Right. And so you got to have all that foundational work. And that's where all that really good concrete, you know, I'm touching it. Um, you know, we have work that you, that are sound, Montessori developed sound cylinders where we're discriminating sounds and we're, we have smelling bottles where we're discriminating smells, just fine tuning those senses so that we are, um, we're looking at different wood grains and we're matching the same wood grains or we're matching, uh, we're maybe scaling the tones of colors from the darkest to the lightest, just fine tuning those senses. So you've, you've given them every opportunity for sure. when that moment comes and they do explode into reading or they do explode into whatever skill it is that they're sensitive to. But, but yeah, it's a she. That's how it all began, and she was trying to help children who were in these situations. And uh, so she, the story goes that she came in one morning, and um, the children. She was late, later than usual, and the other ladies were not there. And the children had let them. You know, they lived here, so they let themselves into the room that she had been given to turn into a classroom. And um, so up until this point in time. There was no child-sized furniture in a class. She did so many very practical things that we take for granted. There was right. no child-sized furniture, and, and nothing was open and accessible. So she had made everything, uh, you know, this was all revolutionary for the time. And she set up the shelves, and they folded together and locked. And when she arrived, the children had gotten the keys, opened the, very independent, opened, opened the shelves, had the workout. Some were preparing the food. Some were working using wow. her works. It, it, their day was going on, and she, and she's a beautiful quote. They're working as if they don't need me, and that's when she realized they don't need me. I was just here to be, you know, I'm the catalyst to get right. this going. And then the children are are in, super independent. And my favorite quote is, of course, the best test of a child's education is their happiness. So I'm glad to hear your girls were coming home, sharing all their things. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I do, I do often stop and look around our school, and gauge the contentness and the happiness, and where who's been stimulated, who's not, who needs to be engaged, who can't make a choice on their own yet, who's making too many choices for everybody else, who's policing, who's. You but know, how rewarding what, is it when you see that they get it? Oh, my that goodness. They, they, just, they've turned that corner, and yeah. they get it. Look, I can't even overstate how happy I am to get to do what I do. It is definitely not a job. It's a, it's a, an honor to watch. Well, it's an it honor for, for us to, be, to have you in our community. So if there's uh, you know, preparing for this, I try to do a little bit of research okay. on uh, All subject right. matter. Sure. So if there's one thing I think it's missing— is a school for the parents. Oh, yes. Okay. So I found on the uh, main website, there's a, a list based on age groups, um, how the parents or how you should be at home with them. And it basically, it's a, a cheat sheet for the parents on how to engage your child to complement with what they're learning all the way up through high school. And I'm like, 
man, I never knew this. I'm going to have to take this stuff home. Sure. Because as you're talking about the kids are independent, they're putting their dishes up, they're pushing their chair underneath their table. They're not always doing that when they come home. (laughs) But that's not anybody's fault because the parents are not fostering that same thing. We underestimate. Yeah, we We do. We underestimate what what they're capable of. You know, sometimes people will take the path of least resistance. So it's, yeah. Mama's not asking me to scoop my chair up. Right. Maybe I don't have Absolutely to scoop right. my chair up. Yeah, I often tell parents, I think it's great to um, it's great to get a little bath mat for home and let that be your work rug, your work mat, or, um, you know, those red squares if you've got siblings. Mm-hmm. It just takes all the guesswork away. He doesn't want me to play Legos with him today. I see he's doing that all on his own. You know, set your child up for sure. so they can be and make things accessible to them. We get tickled every year. Um, their sinks are very low. Everything, you know, is child-sized in the house, so the sinks are very low and accessible. And for many of the students, particularly Cottage, it's their first time that they can fully go through the entire hand-washing process on their own. And so we'll have some who will notice, you know, have the cleanest hands in town. They've washed seven or eight times that day. We're like, oh, she's she's washing again. She's washing again. And it's because they haven't fully had access to that right. at home. And so that's one of the things I would tell you. But I love the idea of parent education. You know, that that goes a long way. And I think we could all use a little more of that. Absolutely. Well, I just want to tell you again that we're so thankful. My girls' um, education is better because they started off with you. Thank you. Um, our community is better to have you. So if people, I know that y'all have a, an enrollment season and you're not open enrollment now. Right. What time of the year is typically open enrollment? So w- this year, um, we opened and closed enrollment all on the same day today. Okay. So we are, um, we have quite a number of folks who are ready to be Montessori uh, kiddos. So I would say um if we usually open on March 1st okay. of each year, I don't necessarily do a wait list simply because we offer three, four, or five-day program. Some families just want to wait in with that three mornings a week, right. and that's great. Um, I can get you in a little bit faster usually if you're just doing three mornings, obviously, than if you want all five. So we don't do a wait list for that reason. But call and inquire, set up a tour, come visit with us, take a look. Yeah, I totally then, yeah. recommend the tour. It, yeah, you don't know what you don't know until you know, and I'm telling you, once once you know, you're not oh. going to want to give it up. So thank well. you for just serving our community the way that you do. Well, we um, love the Twin Cities. Thank you for investing in my kids. I know it, I didn't get special treatment. You do the same for everyone, but you make it feel like the kids are so special individually not as a whole. So thank you for what they you do. Are. And thank you for making the time oh, to come yes. sit down and talk to us today. My pleasure. So. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, Brian. Thanks. Welcome to the 318 Experience, the ultimate podcast for discovering the best of what our community has to offer. I'm Brian Bendeley, your host and local realtor with a passion for showcasing the people, attractions, and hidden treasures of Monroe, West Monroe, and beyond. Mm-hmm.